I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Heisman Trophy winner. BYU Offensive Coordinator and faithful member of the LDS Church. It's a profile of Ty Detmer, a calling to coach, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome into KSL News Radio's special report with Coach Ty Detmer of BYU. I'm Alex Curie. Thanks for being with us. BYU's head football coach, Kalani Satake, is known as a great recruiter. But before he could even coach a player at BYU, his best recruit job came when he landed Ty Detmer, his offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach now at BYU. Coaxing the coach to leave his ranch in Texas to take a job back in Provo where the Detmer status is legendary among fans. He had to leave his high school team that he was coaching at St. Andrews High School. Ty was a tough coach, according to his players. He loved to laugh, though, and had a lot of fun, but he'd get after you if he needed to. Can you kind of be a mean coach? Do you, have you ever had that distinction of kind of being like, man, he's, he gets after us? Because we've watched some videos before. They followed you around in Texas, I think, when, when you were doing like the actual like, right. coaching. Yeah. You're mic'd up. I mean, there's that intense side, the competitive side, when the juices start flowing, uh, things keep going. Gosh, dang, if they were any good, that would have been six. You know, you still get worked up during a game. Aaron! Aaron! Get off the field, Alec! Not at practice as much as come game day, um, you know, where you're animated and, and a little bit of that. But I think the frustrating thing for a coach is when you know guys are capable of more and they're not they're not doing it either for lack of focus or generally it's not lack of effort. Generally it's lack of focus. There's a time and a place for lighting a fire under uh, yeah, sure. a, a group and, and, you know, you're not doing it demeaning it's it's not a personal attack or anything like that it's but it's a wake-up call that this isn't good enough we're in the quarterback's room I think about how much things have probably changed since you've been here do you look and go man this is way different than the way things are (laughs) are these kids in college anymore what's going on yeah I know the kids are I mean it seems like a lot more mature than when I was here I I don't know if I was very mature when I was here uh (laughs) you know playing around and but you know we've got a great group of, of mature young men that they're passionate about the game they're passionate about things off the field um and so uh it's it's been really pretty neat to be around that and to see the difference um especially coming from the high school level and now you've got guys that they're out there practicing themselves they're running their own practices and so that doesn't happen at the high school level you know it's yeah, it's yeah. different so it's uh, real refreshing to see the type of young man that we have playing for us what did they say to you in the recruiting process what did coach edwards say or how did they what were the magic words that they came to you with in texas where they said hey man 
this is going to be, or we want you to come play for us. Well, I, I kind of recruited myself. You know, back then, not many schools were throwing the ball. And I wasn't the biggest, fastest guy, so I wasn't going to go around the option or, or uh, didn't, didn't think the power eye really appealed to me and throw it, you know, 10 or 12 times a game and play action. Mm-hmm. And, and so when big I... Big 12 football, you mean? Big 12 <laughs> football, yeah. Um, and so when I was starting to get some attention and had a big year my junior year, it's like, okay, well, where are some places that might fit me? And and I'd seen BYU win the national championship and seen them play. And, and uh, so we actually, my dad reached out to BYU to kind of gauge their interest level. And about that time, Claude Bassett was in Texas recruiting. And and so it just kind of really, it was pretty easy, pretty seamless, because this is where I wanted to be, and, and they wanted me. And and so it, it uh, there was no sales pitch. I mean, it was like, right. if, you know, what's the quarterback situation look like? It looked, you know, it looked like I'll have a chance to, compete at some point you know in a few years to to be able to play and and so everything was just felt right is the uh, i try to think about you know um what the attitude might be when somebody would hear from texas having lived there myself thinking yeah i'm gonna go to byu and then people going oh and then that did anybody get in your ear about the Mormons or oh, yeah. know, the things I mean, that the things that I remember getting pamphlets when I was like in high school and they're like because people would hear I was Mormon and, right. and they're all uh, I want you to read this you know and it was like like the <laughs> yeah. the very typical LDS picture of of Christ right and then they'd put this spin on it you know they have fire in his eyes or something they'd be like the Mormons worship this <laughs> this God and and I remember being like oh man this is and then you didn't want to bring it up and yeah. and but. You know, did people go? Hey, man, those Mormons—they're gonna—they're gonna come after you. Be ready because they're gonna start throwing their slings yeah, at you. Not too much. I mean, there wasn't a lot of that. Um, it, most people didn't know where BYU was. Mm-hmm. Uh, being in Texas, it was the uh, Southwest Conference at that time, and so um, nope. You know, that was like the center of football for everybody around there. That, and the, uh, you know, the Big Ten and SEC, and so. Um, nobody really knew where BYU was for that, for the most part. So it was, I mean, like I said, it was pretty seamless. And, yeah. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of anti-talk. or right. There were some people, you know, because when I committed and told, you know, other schools I was coming here uh, before my senior year, then Texas kind of spun it that, you know, I was too small or, you know, wouldn't make it and, Probably more for their boosters, and why are we losing players out of state? That wasn't a real popular thing back then to to leave the state um, as a Texas high school football player. So mm-hmm. um, a little backlash there, but um, not a lot of anti-Mormon stuff. You know, was the I, you, I mean, obviously you've talked about your conversion story before, and you know, you're at school. I'm fascinated by the idea of you being. A couple of months removed from winning the Heisman, you know, maybe at most, you know, six or eight weeks away from winning, from when you had won it, right? In December, and then you're baptized February in February, right? I, I'm fascinated by like you having the time, and and just like where you say, hey, I'm going to make this a priority right yeah. now. Why? How did that? What what in the discussion spoke to you where you're like, you got to. This has to happen now, yeah. Because you could have just ridden that 
trophy tour where you go around and do the media thing. What spoke to you in that moment where you well, felt like, I got to do this? It was a, I mean, a three year process. It wasn't just overnight, you know, or anything like that. It was, you know, watching and learning and hearing and, and all those things that go into going to school here, you know, and just seeing how people live their lives. And, and then, uh, you know, you meet, uh, well, I've known my wife for a long time and knew we were really good friends and knew that when we started dating, it would be serious. So it was, I needed to really learn what she believed in mm-hmm. as, as she did with me. And so we went to church together, but it was, it was a process. It wasn't, you know, just happen overnight. Sure. And so, you know, there's times in between or at night, you know, when you take the discussions once a week and doing those things, but it, it really, you know, I was, i feel like I was probably already converted by the time I started taking the discussions because I knew all about it and I knew that's the way I wanted to live my life and and really had been since uh, that was the values my family raised me with. Sure. When we return, Coach Detmer talks about receiving the discussions at BYU and then making the transition to the NFL as an LDS football player. Stay tuned for more right here on KSL News Radio. You're listening to a profile of Ty Detmer's Faith Journey, a calling to coach on KSL News Radio. And welcome back. It's our KSL News Radio special with Coach Ty Detmer. I'm Alex Keery. Thank you so much for joining us. Imagine teaching the discussions to Ty Detmer after he had won the Heisman Trophy at BYU. A tall task for sure, but Ty had actually been taught by those who surrounded him at BYU for three years. And plus his parents, though of a different faith, taught him how to treat others and how being a good person was the most important thing in life. What were the missionaries like? Were they, were they like nervous? I mean, they know who they were teaching, right? I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, but it was, you know, I, I took them at our, our trainer, George Curtis's home. And so it was in a home type of setting. And so it was pretty relaxed. And uh, he was there and my wife would come every now and then. And, and so it was a, you know, it was a great setting to be able to have the discussions taught there. I think about when I was a missionary, uh, you know, walking into somebody's house and, you know, and back then, and it would have been the same for when these missionaries were teaching you, they had a pre, they had presentations that were more or less memorized, you know, they kind of, they got to know them really well and they, and they present yeah. them. And I always remember being very nervous, but then there are every so often there were people that that just got it. Like I said, I, I felt like I was probably already converted to the gospel by the time I started taking the discussions. Cause uh, you know, there were never a time where it's like, well, I'm not sure about that one, you know, or I don't know if I believe in that part of it, you know, the rest sounds good, but not sure about that one. So I, I never had any of those things. It was kind of, you know, like everything else had been, just kind of, you know, like these are all things that I believe that's the way it should be. What's it like being Mormon in the NFL? Like I think, too, you're going into the – you get drafted after your senior year. You're, you know, a year and a half maybe of being a member of the church. Right. Not like you were the first, you know, Mormon guy to ever yeah. play in the NFL, but certainly you're kind of on your own journey. You're doing your career thing. What's what's it like to be an LDS person in, a, in an NFL locker room? It was, uh, I mean, it wasn't much different, you know. Um, the, the, one of the neat things about sports is it brings all walks of life together, you know, whether it's race or religion or, you know, uh, financial situations. Um, you got all kinds there. And so 
I mean, we played with uh, Muslims and Catholics and Jewish guys. And I mean, every, yeah, it's a melting pot, you know? So, um, guys, you know, there'd be kind of some jokers and, you know, kind of give you a hard time. Hey, how many wives did you bring with you this time? You know, just those kind of things. Um, the usual. Yeah, the usual stuff. And, and so it was good. I mean, it was never an issue and, and never felt disrespected for it or anything. And I think going to Green Bay where Mike Holmgren was the head coach initially, he'd been here. Uh, Steve Mariucci was our quarterback coach. He was a fun guy that um, you know, we, I mean, everybody kind of teased everybody about everything, you know, and so um, I never felt like there was ever a time where that was a problem. It's not really like people maybe see on TV or think it may be where it's always coming and looking for you. Right. It's, it's not that way. You hear, I, th- I guess, like stories of Steve Young in the locker room that he's told before of guys who are like, Man, what's that? You know, I guess it's the razzing stuff, and and it's team fun. I mean, it's guys yeah. who are never, it's never in uh, in poor taste. I don't think. And some of them are throwing those things out there just to maybe they aren't sure, you know, and they're so they throw a joke out there, and it's like, yeah, you know, my other two stayed back in Utah, so I just brought my traveling wife with me this year, you right. know, and kind of throw it back, and they're like, wait, what? Like, come on, man. <laughs> And they, you know, so some of them really don't know, so they throw out a comment out there just to see what, if maybe it's really true, you know. Um, so it, it was always good, though. What was the, uh, I mean, you're in a lot of cities, and I think we've asked you before, like, playing-wise, like, what was the funnest situation for you? But uh, for your family, what was, like, a great situation? Because, I mean, you're having kids, and you're raising a family. Your wife is coming with you to all these cities. Your kids are coming with you to all these cities. What was... What did she like? I mean, what was she like? That was a great city for us, and it was a great place for our family. You know, really, um, most every place we went, um, we still have friends from those cities that whether some of them aren't church members, some are church members. And so we've got uh, connections in all those cities still with people that we met, either neighbors or uh, church members, where we got to know them. And so... Um, I think the church helps your family more than anything. Go in and be able to be settled right away and have a, a ward family um, help you out. So um, we we're, we're, feel like we're very fortunate. I don't know if there's one place or another that you really say, uh, oh, man, you know, this was the best place because of these people or um, those types of things. So, you know, we've got friends in Philadelphia and, or in New Jersey. We lived in Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, California, um, like I said, all over Green Bay. You know, one of, a good buddy of mine still still living in Green Bay. And uh, and so we've got really a network all across the country of people that we still remain good yeah. friends with. I think a lot of people see the uh, – like in my head, I, I see the, the college version of, of Ty Detmer – and it's still the poster on my wall, you know, the tuxedo <laughs> picture with you leaning right. on the Heisman or the, uh, you know, the Last Crusade uh, poster that right. I think a lot of kids had. Um, and then there's the NFL picture of Ty Detmer, which is like the the Ty Detmer with the clipboard and pointing <laughs> at something and a captive starting quarterback you know, like listening intently, and you and and you have that reputation of. Oh, I think that's blown out of proportion. Well, no, but, but I think that's but. the. 
Am I wrong? Is that kind of the? Is that kind of the? That's the impression people the have, and, and I'm like, wait till they see our offense this year when we run the ball up the middle. Um. Well, no, but I mean, like, but were there guys who who you, who you were all ears for? Steve Young was, you know, spending a year with him, um, his backup, just watching him, and and he'd been in the offense for so long, and and then just how he prepared, and you know, Peyton Manning, you know, spent. A little time around him at different functions and things, and he's a guy that you know you always respected, knew the game, and when you know guys like that, when they're talking or working, you're you're watching and you're paying attention, and so you take a little bit from everybody. Even you know a guy like Brett Favre was so young and raw when I was there with him, and to see his progression towards the end of his career, where he really knew the game and and understood it, and then put the talent with that. Um, really became a great football player. So, When we come back, the example of faith that Kalani Satake has set for Ty Detmer while he's been at BYU, plus how his wife has dealt with the transition of bringing the family back to Provo. That's all coming up next on KSL News Radio. Heisman Trophy winner, BYU Offensive Coordinator, and faithful member of the LDS Church. It's a profile of Ty Detmer, a calling to coach, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome into KSL News Radio's special report with Coach Ty Detmer of BYU. I'm Alex Keery. Thanks for being with us. Kalani, I mean, he's, he's been pretty, pretty clear on hey, I'm not your bishop. He comes in, he tells those guys, and, and that's been, you know, they talked about it at Media Day where he's like, hey, I told these guys I'm not their bishop. But he's also not afraid to share his faith. I mean, that's a guy who puts right. it out there. Yep. Does that rub off on, on you guys as a coaching staff or on you personally where he's like, I'm a disciple of Christ and I have honor my priesthood? I mean, he says that in interviews and stuff. I mean, does that rub off on you? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, I think. We know we got to win games. I mean, or we're not going to be here very long. You know, I mean, it's just the nature of the business, and and so we're we're football coaches, but at the same time, it's different here. You know, there's there's that other side that isn't at other schools. That you know, you're really a mentor, and and you're an equal with your players in a lot of things when it comes to the spiritual side of things. You know, so um, we're, we're I think when you get into coaching, that's that's a big reason why you do is to maybe be a mentor for a younger person that's coming up and in, in all aspects of their life. So, uh, you know, his example, you know, by putting it out there and being willing to just lay it all out there definitely, you know, makes you more comfortable and at, at ease to do that. If a, if a, one of your players walks in, certainly during the season, maybe a guy will, you know, hey, coach, and you're like, come on in. What about when the when the kid walks in and he shuts the door and he's at kind of a a crisis in of faith or something? Yeah. Would you be? Would you, are you the type of guy who's like, hey man, go down and talk to this coach or go see your <laughs> go see this guy? Or are you are you willing to kind of uh, be that type of a no, spiritual I, mentor? Yeah, I I really enjoy that part of it. Um, you know, because I had coaches that were more open door more you know some you felt more comfortable to go to with things than, than others and so um, I hope I'm that type of guy that they feel comfortable to come to me and talk about anything and and uh, you know at the end of the day football is only going to last so long and some of these things that you're going through or learning along the way are going to carry you a lot farther than 
the games people remember, you know. I mean, people remember the Miami game, but there's not too many other ones that say, I was at that Wyoming game uh, your <laughs> freshman year. and <laughs> So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's what type of person are you becoming? And, and so I hope our players feel comfortable enough to come to me with that. Um, we, we can write down uh, Reno is probably the most emotional. He's going to be the spiritual crier, right? <laughs> That's probably me. <laughs> <laughs> no, the emotional spiritual guy on the man. On the, uh, the older I get, like I speak at firesides, and man, it's it gets tougher and tougher all the time, you know. So I don't know. Uh, I don't think our players have seen that side of me yet. But uh, um, are you are you okay to? Let them see it. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, it, I my high school kids saw it after games, or you know, um, before a game, you'd lose it with something going on. So um, you know, it's. I look at Dick Vermeil. You know, he was always that oh, guy yeah. that like they said. You know, cried over everything. And I'm not to that point, but yeah, I. Uh, what gets you? What gets you? Uh, like, what do you think about like? I'm not trying to – Dave probably want me to get you to cry because <laughs> yeah. he's a TV guy, but what's the what – No, it's like the passion for it all. You know, it, it means a lot, you know, different things. and, and uh, So game one – Like know, seeing, gonna... you know, for example, you know, our high school team, just seeing the kids put the effort in and then whether you win or lose, even when we won, you know, you'd lose it sometimes just because you were so proud of them. Yeah. And so – and if you lost, you felt bad for them, you know. So it, it those types of things where you see kids just with the passion and – you want to see them do well, so yeah. it's, it's more the passion of it, and you know, I mean, I'm, I put a lot into it myself, so yeah. it's you know, you're, you're, right. Hey, man, I've worked nights my entire career, you know, and I've I work weird weekend schedules, you know. Dave's working on Sundays a lot, you know, because we right. just it's just the way it's the nature of our business. Have there been callings where you're like, man, I loved that, that was the best, or because I feel like you're working with youth all your entire life, and then yeah. they're all well. Brother Devin would be a great young men's <laughs> counselor. So I was young men's president before I took the job here in our ward. And, uh, you know, we did high adventure and, and all those things. I was with the stake young men's. I've been uh, public relations for our stake. Um, different, you know, different things, different places. But I, I really love working with the youth and seeing them have experiences that touch them and things like that. So that's uh, that's always my been one of my favorite things you don't you don't get enough of it during the week like if you're when you're like when you're coaching and stuff and then you're like look i'm gonna take a (laughs) take a breather from these guys no i love it i mean they keep you young and and uh i've got four daughters so when i work with the young men i get that side of things you know where i don't get that at home i get the you know the girly stuff at home a little more from what i read too you got sealed by president monson yeah How'd that get hooked up? I mean, like, uh, so my wife was just on, he was just on the schedule that day. Like, (laughs) (laughs) no, my wife's mom was really good friends with the lady that worked one of their secretaries. And so she, uh, she was able to kind of pull some strings at that time. Of course, that was 25 years ago. So he wasn't. Well, no, well, well, he was still pretty the, popular. He was just in the first presidency. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But was there anything that, that advice-wise that you thought that stuck with me? Yeah, uh, you know, it, a lot of it's, like you said, it's happening fast at that time, and you're trying to catch it all, and you want to hear it all, but then it's like, oh, man, you know, what just happened? Um, so, you know, the thing was just, you know, always never go to bed mad. Mm-hmm doesn't always work but uh <laughs> you know some some of those things you know counsel on how to communicate and, and be a you know good husband and and uh you know 
respect your wife and those things. So, you know, the council at that time was, it was good. And it was, it wasn't like this big eloquent deal. It was just kind of nuts and bolts. Like, you know, don't go to bed mad. Say your prayers before you go to bed and, and uh, work things out. So has it worked? Has your wife, I mean, that's just a different role. Everybody's got different roles in, in their marriages, you know, and, and careers go weird directions for everybody. Right. Is she excited about this? Is she, <laughs> does she like this or does she roll her eyes about it? And no, go? she's, I mean, she's kind of, I don't know. She, she likes the fact that I'm pushing myself. And she was, she was one there kind of behind it, behind the scenes, kind of, you, you need to do this. You need to challenge yourself this this is, you know, an opportunity. It's not going to come along much, and I'm, I'm kind of more the conservative. Yeah, well, I've got a good situation here. You know, I can coach at this school maybe for 20 more years, and I'll be 70. And it's like, you know, and she's kind of that one. You've got more in you. You need to push yourself. You, you know, personal growth and and those things. So, um, she's willing to sacrifice and move and and you know, to see me do those things. And so, um, you know, it, it, she's excited, I think, for that part of it. I don't know if she's excited for football and all the things that are, are going to go with that um, as the season gets going. But um, she's excited that, you know, we're we're continuing to grow and to, to change and to push ourselves and to put ourselves in maybe uncomfortable situations. I I I never want somebody to just be like, "Hey, man, uh, bear your testimony." Right. Uh, <laughs> but like, what are what do you think the most important thing is for you in the gospel? Where you look at it and you go, "That's the thing that still kind of uh, today I can go to, and it was the same thing." Yeah. Twenty five years ago, yeah. that you know, and twenty seven years ago when you're uh, when you first start really looking at it and going. This is uh, this is an interesting thing. What are the things that have been those steady, constant, like that? I like, I love that teaching that yeah. we have. So I think um, you know, with the gospel, putting things in perspective and having that foundation that no matter what's going on around you, you know, there's that one constant true thing that at the end of the, our life here on earth, none of it's going to matter except for the what type of person we are. And so for me. That's always been the, the biggest thing is how do you handle adversity? How do you handle success? How do you handle all those things? And so um, whether, you know, it's getting booed in Philly or <laughs> wherever it is in Detroit and and uh, still going home and my kids jump on you and knowing that, you know, you have that foundation and, and none of that's going to matter at the end of the day. But what is going to matter is how I react to those things and how I handle those. Um, and so... Um, that's one thing my parents always instilled is just be a good person and t- treat people like you want to be treated. And, and so I've always tried to, you know, handle myself that way. And uh, I think it's just the foundation of the gospel and the, the, the fact that, you know, we're working towards a greater goal um, is, is really what's held it all together for, for me and, and our family. When we return, our conclusion with Ty Detmer, how his parents reacted to his becoming a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and dealing with the pressure of trying to be successful as a BYU coach. That's when we return on KSL News Radio.
You're listening to a profile of Ty Detmer's Faith Journey, a calling to coach on KSL News Radio. And welcome back. It's our KSL News Radio special with Coach Ty Detmer. I'm Alex Keery. Thank you so much for joining us. How did your parents react when you when you were when you were getting baptized? Did they come to the baptism? Did they? I'm assuming they didn't disown you. You know, it wasn't one of those no. stories, right? No, they were. You know, back then we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have email, we didn't. I mean, I'd call home once a week, and and I didn't do the best job of communicating where I was along the way, and so um, I had a chance after I was baptized to go home and really sit down face to face and talk to them. But you know, they're a thousand miles away, and. And so after we had that talk, like they had some concerns, and a family friend she was showing them the God Makers video, and and so there was the pamphlet. Some, it was that pamphlet. They were hearing <laughs> some negative yeah. things at home that you know when I, once I finally got to sit down and say, look, if I'm hearing any of those things or seeing that, that's I'm not going to be a part of that. I mean, you raised me the right way, and this is just adding to what you raised me with, and so. After that, I mean, they were obviously concerned at the time because they're a long ways away and not much communication on on all of those things. But at the end of the day, they've respected that decision and they've come to my daughter's baptisms and things like that. But um, so it, it, it's been fun. And probably after 25 years, they go, "Oh yeah, he's still Thai." <laughs> Yeah, still kind of a normal family situation. Yeah, and that was a little bit of concern because I'm a long ways from home, and am I going to come back? Am I ever, you know? I mean, people are saying different things, and you know, um, so that was that was the concern was that I was going to be a different person and, and not as close to them as I had been, and that has never happened. So, you, I don't think people could think more highly of Ty Detmer right now. They could, and now as an offensive coordinator, like you could be part of like this team that right. wins eleven games in yeah. your first uh, go around, and is on the edge of the college football playoff, or you know, is in the New Year's Six, you know, right. or you could go the way of uh, when I think of Brandon Doman, I think, gosh, that was a guy who had a legacy at BYU, and then I think got treated a certain way on the way out or by people who do you know this it's you said it it's a business of winning you know that you're right did you ever worry about like that legacy of you know being like you know ty detmer but i mean do you think yeah that was ruin this that was a concern i mean it was nice to have a place to go back to where people enjoyed seeing you um but uh and i actually talked to bronco about that a little bit uh, a few years ago and um so, you know, it, it's been in the back of my mind, but, you know, then again, at the end of the day, it's like you can sit there and never put yourself out there and play it safe your, the rest of your life, or you can go do what you enjoy doing. And, uh, and you know, we're going to do everything we can to make it work. And, and I know we're not going to please everyone, but I think having that experience as a quarterback at different places and different levels uh, kind of helps with that. But... Um, you know, at the end of the day, this is what I really enjoy doing, and I couldn't be more excited to have this opportunity to test your skills against some of the best in the game, yeah. and uh, that's what you want to do. And so, um, you know, I know we've got help around me. We've got a good staff, and so, but at the end of the day, it's going to fall on on me as far as the offense goes, and you know, 
it's kind of like Herm Edwards said, though, we're, we're going to play to win the game. <laughs> we play to win to the win game. The game. Uh, <laughs> so you know, so if we win 17 to 14 and we're not scoring a lot of points, but we're managing the game and we're taking you know, care of the football and we're controlling the clock and we're giving our defense a chance to be good, as long as we win the game, I'll be happy. I mean, that's the end result. Um, I know people here want to see 40, 50 points a game. <laughs> But the game's changed. I mean, it's yeah. not the same college football as it, it was when I was here. Um, so, you know, we're going to play to win the game. What about, when you, what about when you're <laughs> walking off the field maybe and it's a loss and it's, you know, maybe it's not this season, maybe it's in a season where you lose two or three in a row and then you get, you're at home and you get a, Detmer, you suck from the crowd that you know it came from a BYU fan then what I've had it from other fans other places so I mean I probably had a few when I was here myself uh, after throwing five picks in a game so um, but I mean that's that's just part of it you got to have thick skin and especially as a coach you know um, but I, I like the players that we have too at, at some point you know we gotta you just block all that out is if you know and that's the one thing I've learned through playing and through everything else if you know you're and feel like you're doing everything you can to be successful it's a game still the ball is not round it's funny shaped it's going to bounce funny there's going to be mistakes that kids make we're playing with kids um, and so you're going to have mistakes here and there and you're not going to be able to control everything but if I'm controlling everything I can then I can hold my head up and feel proud about what's happening. We want to thank the BYU Athletic Department for the accommodation and the time that Coach Ty Detmer spent with us here. You've been listening to a special report right here on KSL News Radio with Coach Ty Detmer of BYU Football. I'm Alex Keery. We'll see you next time.